Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discussed the NFL draft. Joe, we're about two weeks away from the 2022 NFL draft. You were a second round pick in the 1991 NFL draft. So take us through kind of what your mindset was two weeks before. What might this year's top prospects, what might what might they be thinking with the draft uh, taking place on April 28th? Well, you know, Jeff, it's, it's great to think back to, you know, 1991, and I think you have to put it into a little bit of context, right? Um, no social media, no internet, and what internet was there was basically reserved for, you know, colleges and universities for research and things like that. So there's not a general sort of internet that people are just going on and finding information. So people were still listening to sports talk radio. They were watching, you know, ESPN, or they were getting things like our lads draft guide or street and Smith's draft guide and, and newspapers and sporting news and things like that. So you got to imagine how different it must be today mm-hmm. and what these young men are, are looking at, you know, looking, looking at coming at them from all angles, right? There's, Every time you move the dial on your radio or Sirius XM or whatever, there's another sports talk show. Anytime you turn on the television and, you know, there's at least three or four sports channels, right? ESPN one, two, ESPN news, local, you got your NBC local sports news channel, your Comcast, like think about the amount of information that comes at people. Probably one thing, the one thing that young people today don't really look at is newspapers. <laughs> they probably, yeah. they like, that's gone. Like they don't really pick up the newspaper and go, Oh, look, they, this person's projecting me to go, you know, 50th in the draft. Like there just wasn't, you know, there's just not that for them. Um, so they're just getting it from so many different angles. Um, so I, I really, I feel for them, right. Because there's that almost that added amount of pressure because I had a, I had a feeling of where I might go in the draft, but Jeff, I got to be honest. I, I have a lot of confidence in myself. Uh, I don't, I've never thought of myself as being somebody who's, who's ever been cocky or arrogant or anything about that related to sports. So, but I do have confidence in my abilities. And, and I think, you know, I, I think I, I, you know, I, I was ready to play uh, in the NFL based on, you know, my participation in the combine and what I had done in the East West Shrine game, but I'm going to be honest, Jeff, as confident as I might be, have been in my abilities. I never dreamt in a million years. I was going to go in the second round. Really? You know, I just, what, I just what had, did you think? What, like I, about when I, did you think I, would... I thought, I thought I was going to be at the most, like for me, the stretch was going to be like fourth or fifth round. Like that would really? have been, wow. yeah, I just, because Jeff, you know, coming out of Penn, you know, it just, I just didn't have the pedigree, right? I just didn't. And back then, you know, you didn't have the huddle videos and the, the, the YouTube videos that you can post about yourself and you're playing and get it out to scouts. I mean, scouts, literally NFL scouts, like Blesto, you know, the big NFL service, mm-hmm. like, and, and any of the coaches or, or scouts that came by the university of Pennsylvania had to go to the football office and ask for like a tin of film. 
and say, hey, can I can I get a tin of film on Joe Valerio? And they'd have to pull out the 16 millimeter or whatever, eight millimeter projectors or whatever we used at the time, the type of, of film. And that's how they watched it. Like there was very little of my college stuff was on VHS or beta. And so, you know, you literally had to watch a canister of film and sometimes they weren't always at the office. Sometimes another coach might have them or, you know what I mean? Like you, you didn't, it was, it was hit or miss. So, you know, without all of, of the, of the modern technologies, I just didn't think I was going to get a look. Now there were guides out there that people were publishing that would say, Hey, you know, this is where we would project him to go, but I was definitely not getting any national attention or things like that. ESPN was, you know, covering like, Oh, well, we think this is, you know, nobody would mention me in, in their, in their top picks, you know, any of that Mel Kuyper, you know, he had me, I, it's funny you should say that. I, I should say that I forget where Mel Kuyper had me going in the draft. Cause he was even doing it all the way back then. And right, the right. So um, I'd be interested to see where, what his prediction might've been for, for where I was going, but long answer to a short question, Jeff. Um, why didn't I think that I just don't feel like I had the pedigree, you know, to, to, to be in that realm of guys that played at Oklahoma and Michigan and Penn state, Notre Dame. I just felt like, you know, I was going to be lucky you know, when, when the whole ride started my junior year, when like the first scout that came by was actually Terry Bradway, who ended up, you know, head of college scouting for the chiefs and went on to be general manager of the jets. Terry was with the giants at the time. And he was one of the giant scouts. He was the first NFL scout I ever met. And I met him at training camp, uh, my junior year in college, he happened to be in the area and we used to go to training camp in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. And he was there to watch, and you know, people saw the new the New York Giants logo on a shirt, and people were like, "Holy cow! Like, this could actually happen for Joe," you know. Like, and people were asking, "I was like, I don't know, I didn't didn't really talk to him, but I did get to know Terry really well, and um, that was my first experience um, into it." But again, Jeff, even having gone through the combine and and played in the East West game and getting that attention from the, some of the media outlets that were there in the '90s, I still felt like I was going to be lucky if I was a mid round draft pick just based on were on you, that. you and speaking of terry bradway he's a guy who really rose in the ranks i think he was the jets gm for a while i think after mm-hmm. after his chief's tenure uh joe so were you uh also the frequently we talked about how different an environment was as before social media really before the internet but were you constantly looking at you know the the blesto rankings or the Arlads rankings or or the i mean was that how, how often were you looking at those? Type totally. Of Anytime I could get my hands on them, you know, <laughs> agent, like when I would meet with agents, they would bring that kind of stuff by um, and, and early on. And then um, that's an interesting process, you know, that, that these players go through is, you know, when do you select your agent, you know, and how beneficial it is to have one pre-draft post-draft do you wait till the draft. Do you, I decided that I, I was going to work with an agent after the combine. That's when I, I started working with a gentleman by the name of Brad blank. Um, he uh, had a really nice stable of players that I just re- totally respected and, and thought they were, you know, they were all really solid players. He did have a lot of linemen. He had a lot of East coast guys, guys from Boston College, uh, some of the ACC schools, some Ivy League guys. So I, I really felt a connection with Brad. Um, and, and I decided to go with him on the way uh, we were le- leaving the combine when I decided, because he had actually suggested that. He said, Joe, concentrate on the East-West game, concentrate on the combine, and let's talk after that. So, you know, I had gone 
you know, talk to other agents and things. And I, honest God, Jeff, somebody actually, my dorm room was very secure in college. Um, my dorm room was a high rise in, in West Philadelphia. And so we had, you know, good security. You had to show your ID to get in. There were turnstiles, there was security everywhere. And, and I don't know how this gentleman got in to my uh, apartment. We were, I was on like the 12th floor and all of a sudden my roommate were sitting watching television and a piece of paper comes, there's a knock at the door and, and my roommate looks at it and goes, I don't know who this is. I'm not answering it. So he doesn't answer the door. And all of a sudden a piece of paper comes sliding under my door of my dorm apartment. And it was a letter from an agent. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how did they, like, how did they get in? And how did this like get delivered? Like, I don't know whether he gave it to somebody to put under my door but it was crazy. Like that was the lengths that some of these agents were going to when they were was trying that to get a Brad or was that a different? It wasn't Brad. No, it wasn't Brad. No, Brad was Brad was we we only communicated. Brad was probably more on the up and up than Snake. Yeah, yeah, he had, he had he, at the time. I mean, at the time, yeah, at the time he had you know he had a stable of first round picks. Um, you know, he was he was building his business and and grew it to an amazing uh, cadre of players. And but the but but like I decided on on the way leaving the combine, I, I walked up to Brad. I said, Brad. I've done a lot of thought. I'm, I'm getting ready to fly home tonight from Indianapolis. I said, I, I really would like to work with you. And I think I would like to do that. And he's like, oh, that's great, Joe. That's awesome. All right, great. Let's go. And he said, what time's your flight? I had a late flight. And he says, well, let's go celebrate and get dinner. And I think he was expecting me to say, he's like, where do you want to go? And I think he was expecting me to pick a fancy steakhouse or, you know, go out and really tear up the town and get like a big meal and like, you know, really, Hey, this is the agent's going to treat me to a dinner. I'm, I'm gonna you know? He goes, he goes, he goes, where do you want to go? I said, Brad, I have been walking from the hotel to the Hoosier dome every day. And I said, those hot dogs, that hot dog stand <laughs> that's right outside the door of the hotel. I said, can we just go grab a bunch of like chili dogs? He was like, because oh, that's why I'm going to love working with you. <laughs> like, you want to celebrate our, our newfound partnership as your agent. You want to celebrate with a couple of the hot dogs from a street vendor. And, and so, yeah, that, that, but that's just me, I guess, in a nutshell. I didn't need a dinner or anything like that. I just, I just wanted to work with somebody that I trusted. Oh, man. Fortunately, I, am, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to grill out tonight. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> craving some uh, hot dogs for, uh, for some unknown uh, <laughs> Well, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, including Joe's Sixers, boxing fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, you know, uh, I, I'm curious how many teams you met with uh, prior to the draft and did you mentioned agent Brad blank? Uh, did he coach you in the interview process? Cause I'm wondering, you know, Hey, this is part of the reason you're a believe uh, host here is you're obviously very comfortable talking and being interviewed. And, you know, with a pen background, you probably were a lot more comfortable than, than a lot of um, other draft prospects. Um, 
you know, Brad was great. Brad, Brad was, he was the kind of person who just kind of let you be yourself, right? I was going to stand on my own two feet. Brad did not offer me the ability to go to a fancy training complex. Um, he didn't pay for trips or things like that where I would go, Hey Joe, let's send you down to a football camp in Florida and we can have some special coach run and mm -hmm. train you in the, he's, you know, he basically let me be myself. And, and, and one of our conversations was basically, you know, cause I would ask him about that kind of stuff. Right. Cause there were, there were agents that, um, you know, that would be like, Hey, Joe, we, you know, we want to send you to, uh, you know, we want to send you to Florida and we want to do this. We want to do that. We want to treat your parents to this and parents to that. And Brad was like, he was so on the up and up that it, it, it appealed to me because I didn't want that. I didn't want the pressure of having to feel indebted to somebody because I knew what it was going to take for me to, to excel at the combine. I knew what it was going to take for me to play football. Mm -hmm. And, and I really kind of appreciated that about Brad. Um, you know, Brad's only stable of people that he had really were people that helped you handle your taxes because they're very complex for athletes. And um, he helped with uh, financial advising, um, which they can't do today. They have to have very loose partnerships back then. You could actually have you could have it all under one roof. I think the NFLPA decided that it probably wasn't best for players to have the agent and the financial advising coupled. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't do that today, but back then they did. And I felt very comfortable and I still work with that uh, financial advisor today. Um, and um, even though, even though I don't, you know, I'm probably out of their, uh, out of their sort of uh, sweet spot of people who have the, the money that they want to work with. They've, he stayed with me and, and I've stayed with them and, and we've had a great partnership ever since. So it really has been, um, you know, it was really a great partnership from an agency perspective. And I think it was the, the expectations were set very early of what our relationship was going to be with each other. Um, you know, from a, from a team's perspective, you know, I felt very comfortable because everybody, anybody who I talked to in the NFL side, when they would ask me who my agent was and I told them that it was Brad, they would always give me a thumbs up. Love working with Brad. And, I, and I, they were giving me very sincere answers. They weren't just blowing smoke. They were basically like, nope, love working with Brad. He's respectful. He takes care of his players. He uh, has everybody's interest in mind. Um, and and I, I just, I felt very comfortable making that choice even after I had talked to, to teams um, when they would ask me who my agent was. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, that was it, like daunting for me, Jeff, was, you know, talking to teams like that, like whenever they, cause they give you stuff, right. They, I've talked to the Cleveland Browns. They came by Penn and, and stopped by the football office. And we sat down for an hour and I talked to the Brown scouts and they were like, Hey, we're thinking about, you know, you in the draft and um, nobody would ever tell me where they were thinking about me, but they're like, Hey, we like your numbers. We like what you've done. We're here to watch a little bit more film. And, you know, and here's a, here's a Cleveland Browns t-shirt. I'd be like, Oh my God, I might be walking around campus <laughs> with that Cleveland Browns t-shirt on. Like, I, like I was wearing uh, you know, like a Versace uh, suit or something, you know, I'm walking around with, with uh, uh, you know, all this gear. Um, the teams that I, I, I talked to the most probably were um, the Chargers. Bobby Bethard, who was the general manager at the time, spent a lot of time with Mr. Bethard. Um, Great that's general where, manager. I, I think he's in, I'm going to double check this, but he, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he built yeah. the old Washington Redskins and then also built some really good Chargers teams too. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. Um, you know, just such a great guy. They ended up taking Eric Moten in the second round. 
um, from Michigan State. So I knew they had, I knew they had a lineman on the, on the brain there that they were thinking about in the draft. <laughs> so that kind of all made sense and why I was talking to them. Um, Eric was a, was a really good, solid player, big dude out of Michigan State. I mean, you know, just a, and a super nice guy. Um, I talked to um, the Giants. I did I did a whole draft day uh, at at Giant Stadium. I drove up myself and and um, drove up and spent the day there. And Terry was there, obviously Bradway. And I worked out for, and then I think he left very soon after the draft and went to work for the Chiefs. So when I showed up at the Chiefs, there was Terry uh, in the Chiefs office as their new uh, director of college scouting. And um, so I spent the whole day at, at the Giants. The Giants were funny because they used to give you this like four and a half hour mental exam. Uh, <laughs> and it was like a, a problem solving and all that stuff. It was a, like a, almost like a Wonderlick type test that you uh-huh. hear about it was brutal. It was tougher than any final I ever took at Penn. I mean, it was about, you know, hundreds of questions, uh, you know, took me like four and a half hours to take this exam, wow. did a quick, quick workout on the field and um, never did any pro days. Never, never did any, any of that workout. I guess, um, I guess they had seen enough at the combine um, for me. Oh, wait, no, I did. I did actually do, I did one field workout for the chargers. I did, I did work out for the chargers. Um, uh, the Bengals, uh, Coach McNally, who was really good friends with Howard Mudd. Uh, Legendary coach, yeah. Legend, right? The whole, you know, the whole side of the foot, you know, duck walk type uh, offensive line mentality, which I actually, that's the way I, when I taught offensive line, most of the techniques I taught were, were along the lines of what Howard Mudd and, and, and Coach McNally, Jim McNally had taught. Um, but I did, I did a field workout with Coach McNally for the Bengals. Um, and... The craziest draft story, though, Jeff, has got to be the fact that the um, the Eagles, um, the general manager at the time was a gentleman by the name of Harry Gamble, who was had a pen connection. He had coached a pen in the past. And I saw him at the Maxwell Club Awards and uh, they used to host those in Philadelphia. Now they host them in Atlantic City. And we were in Philadelphia at the Maxwell Club Awards. And um I was fortunate enough to receive, you know, like a, a pen award for one of the local schools. And so we were at the, at the Maxwell club and um, you know, the, you know, all these famous coaches are getting award, NFL coaches and college, like they give out their, their college MVP trophy and everything. And I run into Mr. Gamble and he says, Hey, Joe, he goes, congratulations on getting drafted by the chiefs. He said, you're going to love, you know, playing for coach Schottenheimer. And I mean, Carl Peterson's a dear friend, our Philly connection and everything. And, and I said, Oh, I really appreciate it, Mr. Gamble. And I'm, I'm really thankful and he said, well, I just want to tell you something, you know, if, if uh, Mr. Peterson hadn't grabbed you in, in the draft there, uh, we were, you were our next pick. And I was like, oh, gosh, that was like it was like a, a dagger, like no, no offense to all of our Chiefs listeners. But, you know, imagine, home, yeah. imagine, you know, imagine your hometown team, you know, think of our Chiefs listeners. If the Chiefs had if you got drafted by the Chargers and then you're, the Chiefs told you, hey, we, we were going to take you if you were still around and. It was, it was tough. It was a tough pill to swallow, but I obviously did not look back and they ended up drafting Rob Selby in the third round out of Auburn. So I knew that he wasn't just lying, you know, to me (laughs) because, you know, he, he was, he was definitely, I was definitely on their radar, but it was a very interesting process, Jeff. And, and um, it was, it was such a, such a gift and such an incredible journey to go on, um, especially when my expectations were as low as they were. You know, uh, Speaking of, we've talked a lot about Brad Blank, but yeah, he's he's represented ten first round picks, including uh, he's and he's still a, a practicing agent, uh, Chris Lindstrom, 
uh, who's a first round pick for the Falcons is one of his clients. And he also represents a lot of, a lot of big names, uh, even in media now with Marcellus Wiley and Teddy Bruschi, uh, Eric Davis, or, uh, who is the Believe in 49ers co-host. Uh, Joe, but back to the, the draft experience here. So what uh, did you did you guys have a draft party? Were you hanging out with family? And like, who, who called you? Did Carl Peterson call you? Did Marty call you? Take, take us through that. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Um, we were at my brother's house, which, you know, we uh, which is the house that I grew up in, in suburban Philadelphia. It's a like second ring, first ring suburb of Philly. So not too far from the city. And um, it's where I went to high school. And so we were at my brother's house and, you know, my brother had everybody over and it's not a big house, but we were flowing. I mean, out the door, people were in the yard. Uh, you know, it's just a small little twin row home. And, and we had, you know, probably if I had to guess, I'm terrible at guessing crowd numbers. We probably had a hundred people at our house wow. just flowing, just flowing in and out. Um, you know, neighbors, friends, high school buddies, oh, that's cool. co- old coaches of mine, little league friends. I mean, it was really fun, but it, I gotta say it, it kind of, everything went a little dark around when the first round ended, because back then they only they only televised the first round in 1991. And, the, and of course, the first round was the longest first round at, up to that point in NFL history. So every team must have been using all 14 minutes and 59 seconds of their pick time. And, and so the draft went off television and it was off at that time. So, you know, and then in the second round, you know, everybody gets another, what, 10 minutes, I think, back then. So, so you know, the first round goes on and on and on forever. And Jeff, I never dreamt in a million years I was ever going the first round. So I was, I was okay with that. Like when it went mm-hmm. off, so I knew that wasn't happening. And then, and then the second round starts and we're listening to like KYW 1060 was the AM station and, and WIP were the, uh, was the other AM station sports radio. KYW was all news and WIP was sports. So we had that on and we were listening what the picks were. And then um, right before um, we had, we had heard that Chris Zurich was drafted out of Notre Dame with number 49, went to the bears. Um, I, the phone rang and, and my brother actually answered the phone and my brother had this cool, it was a New York giants phone, a, a helmet <laughs> phone. Maybe you've seen them. They're like kind of novelty phones and they're like a, they're like a, a life-size helmet. And then the phone was the oh, top. Those were cool. The so my brother, my brother actually had it made into a pen helmet because it was blue. And then he got some pen stickers from our equipment managers and he put pen on it. That's cool. That was was the bat phone that was sitting on the table and it rang and my brother answered it. And I was like, you answer it. He's like, okay. So my brother answers the phone and he picks up the phone. I hear him nodding his head. "Uh Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I'll get him. And he comes over and he says, Joe, it's, it's, it's the chiefs. It's, It's Carl Peterson. And I was like, Holy cow. Like I just, you know, seen Carl at the, at the, uh, combine, right couple months earlier and um you know i've told that story before about how he basically told me that they were going to draft me but i never at that point didn't really think that was really going to happen and 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 he says hey joe it's it's uh, it's carl peterson i said hey mr peterson how you doing he said how are you doing that's the most important thing i said <laughs> doing great he goes are you healthy are you feeling good you have any injuries i said no i've been taking it easy doing my workouts i'm in good shape ready to go he says well we're going to pick you with the draft right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with uh, Howard Mudd, our offensive line coach who you met. And I'm going to go. Uh, and I was like, 
Mr. Peterson, what round is it? Like the fourth? <laughs> and he's like, no, Joe, it's the second round. We're taking you with the 50th pick. We're going, I'm going to put the call in now. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I hope, I hope I didn't like hurt my confidence chances there by like <laughs> telling Carl Peterson he should have drafted me in the fourth round. He was really drafting me in the second round. I was like, because I, you know, I, I you know, I gotta be honest, I was I was I was taken aback. I didn't I did not think that that was gonna be where it was. And then, you know, and I had a great conversation with Howard Munn. He goes, Well, because we just put the call in. He goes, I'm sure if you have the radio on, you're gonna hear that you've just been you've been picked by the Kansas City Chiefs. And I was like, Oh, thank you, Coach Mudd. I'll and he's like, Well, we'll see you this weekend. <laughs> I was like, Okay. He goes, We'll have uh, you know, we'll have everybody's gonna send you some travel arrangements. He put, I think it was Bob Moore, who was our PR manager got on and, and uh, Bob was like, Hey Joe, I'm Bob Moore, you know, administrative team will take care of everything. We'll see you next weekend for, for mini camp. And the rest was history. So, and that was on a Saturday. So then you're, you're in, when they say, you know, we're going to see you soon. So the, the following weekend you were in, in Kansas city. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. The Did following you, weekend, I was still in school. I was still in school at the time. Um, there was, there were rules back then, Jeff, that were very interesting that fans may or may not know about but back then the rule was you were allowed to go to one mini camp before you graduated which the graduation date and i'm doing air quotes was june 1st Mm -hmm. that was the first date that a college player was allowed to get on to an nfl facility other than the one mini camp that you were allowed to go go to pre-graduation which you know our first mini camp was right after the draft so i was out in kansas city by i think wednesday I had an early morning flight out on Wednesday morning and I was uh, in Kansas city at that point. So I went to school on Monday and Tuesday. I was on campus, uh, which was crazy, right? Here I am. I'm I'm on campus. Um, you know, knowing that, you know, my life has changed and, you know, I basically have a job, uh, which, you know, at that time in, in April or May back then before the internet, like a lot of students who were graduating were still interviewing for jobs in April Mm -hmm. and May. And, um, you know, it was really exciting to like know that I was going to be employed at least for, at least for the, for the short term, I was going to have, a, I was going to have a job and um, you know, I didn't have to go through the interview process of, you know, interviewing and using my, my business degree for a little while. That's very cool. And th- th- that's the nice thing about the being the second round pick is not only you said for the short term, but you're, you're guaranteed, you're almost guaranteed a little bit when you're, when you're a second round pick to, to last probably at least a couple of years within the NFL. It's, is always impressive. Joe, when nowadays what they do is as soon as you're picked, no matter what round, you know, they, they get you on a call or, or now Zooms with uh, with the reporters. Did you that that day, that night, did you did you meet with the local Kansas City reporters over the for a conference call or? I, I, I know, well, I know for a fact, I talked to a lot of local reporters. They, they were actually at our house. So like our local I live in, uh, I you know grew up in Delaware County. Uh, so for all you mayor of Easttown fans out there, you'll know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, you know, uh, all of our, our local newspaper there, the Philadelphia Inquirer was at our house, as well as the Philadelphia Daily News. So um, fit them in, Joe, with those hundreds they, of people. They, they were, they were, well, they were loving it. You, you kidding me? They were loving life. I'm all this great Italian food flowing, <laughs> you know, any pasta, there was salad, uh, fruit, there was uh, pasta, so hoagies, I mean, oh, you, name, you name it. it. There was a ton of good down-home Philadelphia Italian food uh, flowing out of my brother's house that day. So like I'm, sure the, I'm sure the I'm sure the reporters had a good time. Um, <laughs> and and then and, and of course, you know, uh, Bob 
Amore had set up, you know, some calls, um, obviously to do it. And my first in-person interview, I think I've told this story before, was with Conrad Dobler at Lynn Dickey, right, right. Lynn Dickey Sports Bar in Westport. And uh, I spent time uh, talking to Connie and, uh, you know, talking to him about uh, about my time and, and, and coming out of Penn. And then, of course, that was the Tim Grunhardt, Dave Zott joke that they took out of context and said that, you know, Penn could beat uh, Penn State and Notre Dame, which they totally took that out of context, but nonetheless, but yes, yeah, so that was my first in-person interview was, was that didn't, didn't do any, they didn't have any like real press conferences at the time back then. Do you remember if, uh, cause we'll have to ask, I'm sure we'll have Adam Teicher on sometime this, or our good friend who's now with ESPN, but was a long time Kansas City star. Do you remember if he or any of the star guys had like, Oh yeah. Ken, Ken, Adam, Ken Pullum uh, you know, spent time with Kent. He was, you know, one of the, one of the beat writers, um, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Gretz was, was, was there, uh, spent a lot of time with Bob, you know, in that, during that rookie, uh, camp that we had, um, and, uh, Joe San, uh, uh, Pat San Genomo, uh, we got to be really good friends. Um, and yeah, so there were there was definitely a, a stable of great writers that were writing for the Star and the local papers there at the time that I got to know, and that and that was really exciting. You know, that was really fun. And I tell you, I got to give my hats off to Bob Moore, you know, who really, you know, from a PR perspective, um, you know, he 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 and uh, you know the guys on on the team just did a did a fantastic uh, fantastic job of 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 helping us out and uh, keeping us uh, you know keeping us from getting inundated and not feeling too much pressure. And, and he's still, you know, with the Chiefs in a, in a some capacity. He's kind of their historian, uh, Bob yeah. Morris. So he, he's yeah. somebody who's been with that franchise uh, forever. From we had a great, yeah, we had a great local connection. He was actually Temple's sports information, or oh, uh, wow. not Temple, sorry, Drexel. Uh-huh. He was at Drexel University, which is which is right neighboring college to, to the University of Pennsylvania. So it was right, right there in West Philadelphia. Um, so yes, we always had that Philly connection that he knew, you know, where I, he knew where all my haunts were in college. Cause he was just right up the street at Drexel, uh, running their sports information department. West Philadelphia, born and raised, you know, That's it takes right. on new meeting and he's, uh, Will Smith's been in the news. Club yeah, quite a yeah, bit. yeah. Yeah. But we'll still a little pivot from that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps not the best note to end on, but anyhow, what, what a cool experience. This gives listeners a little bit, of, obviously times are very different, but a little bit of insight of what, what these draft prospects uh, will are, are thinking with the, the draft not far away on April 28th. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.